This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. I am AJ Scholes. Uh, you can follow me at AJ Scholes24. And filling in for the Statsman this week is Rotowire NHL managing editor Mike Gay, who you can follow at MG Connects, although. Mike does handle the at Rotowire NHL Twitter uh, feed, so you can actually usually interact with him over there. Uh, Before I bring Mike in, I do want to start out with an unfortunate announcement. Uh, Due to scheduling conflicts, we're actually going to have to cancel next week's podcasts. Uh, As our loyal listeners are aware, Paul is off gallivanting through Europe. Uh, I myself am headed to Florida so my daughter can spend some much needed uh, time with grandma and grandpa. But we will be back uh, with a guest host, maybe Mike, maybe somebody else. We'll see uh, on October 23rd. So with that out of the way, I'll bring in Mike and we'll start out with the big question for him right away. Uh, How do you feel the season's going so far for your Red Wings? Well, uh, not as good as I had thought uh, before the season began. Um, they have six rookies on the uh, they have six rookies on their roster right now, and four of them are on the blue line. That's just never a good thing. Um, the Red Wings have always been like my go-to team. Um, being from Michigan, I could never rely on the Lions. I could never rely on the Tigers. <laughs> um, the Pistons are okay. They're you know. They at least won a championship in 2004, but that's beside the point. Um, the fact is the Red Wings, uh, they're just going through an unfamiliar growth period. Um, they they prefer not to rebuild um, by bringing in players from outside the organization, so you're seeing a lot of fresh faces out there for the Red Wings. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the blue line there. You know, Daly's hurt, Cromwell, uh, Erickson, Mike Green dealing with that health issue. So yeah, it's it's a whole new blue line with a bunch of youngsters. But you know, for a team in a rebuild, I think it's probably a good thing, right? Like if this this season probably wasn't gonna go, um, you know, super well, and uh, 
you know, so to be able to test out some of those guys early, I think is good. Um, but before we kick off the rest of the show, I'll do my usual reminder that if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, uh, tweet at us and we'll try and answer your questions throughout the week. Uh, as I mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Scholes 24. You can follow Paul. I think he still uh, should be able to interact periodically. He's at Statsman22. And then Mike, as I mentioned, at MG Connects or over on the Rotowire NHL Twitter feed. So uh, that's our our weekly reminder about using Twitter and, and interacting with us, we really enjoy that. Uh, now, we are going to tweak the format just a little bit here uh, with Paul gone. I'm able to go off the rails, do my own thing. So uh, basically what we're going to do is for each of the 31 teams, I'm going to make a statement about that team. Some of these might be a little over the top. Some might just be, uh, you know, pretty standard questions. But uh, then Mike We'll kind of respond with his take. So we'll start off with the Anaheim Ducks. Now, my bold kind of statement here is Comtois will lead the team in goals this season. What do you think, Mike? Um, I'm going to have to say that's false, um, but that's not to undercut uh, Comtois there. He's a 19-year-old rookie. He he had two goals in his first two games. Uh, He had an assist against my Red Wings last night. Um, He was the only one to score against the Coyotes on Saturday. Uh, so I really like him. He's coming out of juniors. Um, he, uh, he went right from juniors to the NHL. He had 44 goals and 85 points with Victoriaville of the QMJHL last year. Um, as um, AJ alluded to, we have um, injuries to Corey Perry, Andre Kashi. Getzloff is now hurt. Um, Nick Ritchie is in a contract holdout. So I'm not so sure he would have made the opening night roster without all those injuries, but here he is, and he's actually tearing it up. But leading the team in goals is a stretch. I think that's actually going to go to Ricard Raquel. He's had back-to-back 30-plus goal seasons. Yeah, definitely, as you mentioned, a ton of injuries here. Uh, Sam Steele looking like he's going to take on a bigger role. Isaac Ludstrom uh, you know, played last night as well. So uh, a bunch of kind of young guys to, to track in, in your team. So um, you know, kind of keep an eye out for, for what those guys are doing. Uh, on to Arizona. My statement here is Arizona Coyotes won't win a game in October. What do you think, Mike? Um, I'm also going to have to say that's not going to hold true. Uh, They play the Sabres um, on the 13th, the Wild on the 16th, Canucks on the 25th, and the Senators on the 30th. Um, All those teams, um, you know, they're they're just in different spots right now, a lot of growth um, between those teams. Um, Sabres have a really good look, um, at least on paper, but they're going to take some time to mature. Um, the Wild got off to a slow start. They're just getting unlucky. They're leaving uh, Devin Dubnik out to dry. Um, the Senators are the Senators. They're, they're without Eric Carlson. Um, and the Canucks, you know, they're, they're just a rebuilding team. But they have Elias Pettersson, who's a really promising guy who we'll touch on later. Um, but uh, in goal, they have Ante Ranta. Uh, he's a very strong goalie. Um, he had a 922 uh, and save percentage and 2.29 goals against average between um, six seasons and three different teams. He has experience both as a backup and a starter, so I always like that in a player. Um, it just says that he can handle any type of situation, really. Um, he had a 930 save percentage and 2.24 goals against average last season for the Coyotes, and they were a bottom-dwelling team. So between 
what Ranta can bring to the table and a relatively weak schedule, I do think they will win a game in October. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there. And, and I think you highlighted, you know, Ottawa, Vancouver, uh, probably their best options there. Uh, after yesterday's game, I'm not so sure they'll beat Buffalo, though. The Sabres looked uh, pretty good there. But uh, yeah, Arizona probably can win a game. But like I said, just uh, like, like I said off the top, some of these a little bit uh, outlandish takes, but um, obviously a team that, that is still struggling. Now, uh, for Boston, uh, going to pose a, another intriguing question here. Halak should be given closer to 35 games. Uh, we obviously saw uh, there were some struggles uh, early on with with uh, the, uh, the netminder there, and so Halak came in, he pitched that shutout. So what do you think? Halak, 35 games this season? Yeah, I will buy into that for sure. Um, Rask seems to be a guy who um, he always has some like suspicious injury or some problem when the moments are big. Um, he was chased from the net um, in the opener, had that seven to zero loss to the Capitals in the opener. Um, of course, that's the Capitals defending champs. But at any rate, um, Rask just seems like a guy who needs to be preserved for the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> I say that and it's only like a couple games in, but. When it comes to be down the stretch, it just seems like Rask just really needs Halak uh, to step in and take some pressure off him so he can really just get in a mental and physical mindset for the playoffs. Uh, so Rask, uh, he was the 2014 Vesna winner, um, but um, he's a guy who really wears down after the All-Star break. So in his career, he's 9.2 or .924 save percentage before the All-Star breaks, and it goes down to 916 after the all-star break so that's just one uh point of evidence that uh he really wears down down the stretch yeah that's actually a really good uh you know really good point there really good take on that and and really i think the the ultimate goal is to to have him see less games but i think heading into it you know i was thinking maybe halak would take like 20 25 but i do think uh you know upwards of 35 might be uh, a good option for them Heading over to Buffalo, who we mentioned before, uh, their big ticket uh, player acquisition, if you will, uh, through the draft was Rasmus Dahlin. A lot of talk that he would, you know, slot right in, take on a big role. uh, And I think that is going to be the case. I expect he'll play uh, a full 82 game season if he's healthy. But uh, noticing his ice time now in the opener, 22-37. Uh, it's dropped off from there. So the statement, Dolan will average less than 20 minutes per game this year. I think that is going to be false. Um, everyone wants to see this kid play. He was the first overall pick in this year's draft. He's considered a generational talent by many scouts. Um, one thing that was interesting to me is um, during the prospects challenge this year in September, um, you had Bruins prospects lined up watching Dolan just take warm-ups that's all he's doing he's just taking warm-ups and everyone was there watching him um now Darlene is also he's taking a lot of minutes away from uh, Marco Scandella his power play time is shrinking big time um and I think that just just purely given the hype around him everyone just wants to see what what he's got as soon as possible yeah I I do think there is obviously high expectations there so that is uh, a good point but hopefully I agree hopefully the the team can kind of uh, stave off the the perhaps temptation to log you know 25 minutes per game or something for for Dolan uh, for 
uh, Calgary, we're looking at uh, a question about uh, Tuchuk there. Last two seasons, 49 points for Tuchuk. Will he break through the 50-point mark? Uh, I'm going to say yes. So that's the statement. Tuchuk will break through the 50-point mark. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, he had 48 points as a rookie, 49 as a, as a second-year player. Uh, 50 should be no problem. Um, he's only averaged 72 games over his first two seasons, so you just had a few more games there, and he should easily top that. Comes from a hockey family. He has a really good pedigree. Um, he's he's already on pace for 205 points, thanks in large part to his four-assist game against the Canucks <laughs> on Saturday. You know, we always say that kind of stat early in the season just as a fun little tidbit. Obviously, he's not going to do that, but it's just fun to say. And um, I, I do think Kachuk will be over 50 points. All right, so on to uh, Carolina here. Now, I make this statement, I uh, came up with it before they went off for eight goals the other day, but uh, we'll still take a look at it. Carolina won't have a 30-goal scorer this season. What do you think? Um, as long as Sebastian Ajo is on the team, I think that's false. I think he'll be the guy that gets over 30 goals. Uh, they have plenty of balance on the team with uh, the addition of 2018 second, or all, second overall pick Andrei Svechnikov, um, Martin Nikash, another speedy rookie who he, he really sees the ice well. He's on the third line. You have Justin Williams, the newly minted captain, uh, he's never a big minutes guy, but he did have 58 or 51 points last season. So I think that he's in the mix um, to uh, possibly get uh, that many goals as well. But um, overall, Sebastian Ahu is my pick for making that statement untrue. Yeah, and actually uh, another guy I really like, Warren Fogle, uh, off to a strong start. We'll obviously see if he can maintain it, uh, but he's getting second-line minutes alongside Stahl and Williams, so uh, going to take on a big role, and we'll, we'll see what he brings to the table. For Chicago, for the Blackhawks, Jonathan Taves will win the Rocket Trophy. What do you think, Mike? Um, again, like as long as the, the pure snipers like Ovechkin, Matthews, um, as long as those guys are on board, I, I really don't think that that Taves can can make it. But that's not to undersell his hot start. He has five goals through his first three games. That's his career best start. He's never had that hot of a start. Of course, he's playing with Alex Dabrinkit, um, who's a really smart player who can uh, dish the puck to him um, pretty much at will. So I think that <clears throat> with with that top line, let's see, who else is on that top line? We got... We got Taves, Debrinket, and who's the third uh, guy? Kuhn, Dominic Kuhn, oh, Dominic another Kuhn, youngster. Yeah. So between those guys, um, I really think that you know Taves will have a solid season. I think he'll be a good bounce back candidate, but I just don't see him winning the Rocket Richard Trophy. Yeah, it it is an intriguing option. Uh, you know, I think. With some of the guys that you highlighted um, that have been such big names the last couple of years, I think Taves uh, has kind of seen, has flown under the radar, to be totally honest with you. You know, Chicago hasn't been as competitive the last couple of years, so that's certainly a factor. But uh, you're looking at your goal leaders right now. You got Taves and Matthews at five, Tavares, Bergeron, and Kane uh, all at four. So right now, it's definitely going to be a close race. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it pans out the rest of the season. Now, uh, heading over to Columbus for our next statement here, uh, Artemi Panarin will finish the te- the season with the Jackets. I don't think so. Um, I-, I believe if Columbus was in position to retain him, a deal would have gotten done this summer. 
um, elite players, you know, they tend like players of Panarin's caliber, they tend to get deals like a year ahead of their contract expiration date. Um, so guys like Couture and Tyler Sagan, like they got deals one year before their contract expires and um, Panarin's right in that same class. So I think that if he was going to re- be retained, it would have been in the summer. Um, and I think that um, since the Metropolitan Division is so top-heavy, if the Blue Jackets fall out of contention by late February, they could get a huge return for him and Sergei Bobrovsky as both players are unrestricted um, as of next summer. All right. I I, I definitely uh, think it's an intriguing option uh, to sell him. You obviously mentioned Bobrovsky as well. He was another player that the GM uh, there at the start of the season kind of keyed in as like, Hey, we may trade these guys. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, Bobrovsky feels like a tough move to me. I, I know we're going a little off topic here, but um, the fact that you know trading a goalie midseason, uh, you know, I just don't think the market is as high. You only have a few teams that are really, you know, potentially going to be options here. Um, and I think you run into the fact of are you going to actually get a return for what Bobrovsky is worth? And I think the answer on that has to be no, um, for the most part. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll talk about Colorado next. Uh, Nathan McKinnon will score over a hundred points as a statement. Now the RotoWire projection right now has met ninety. Do you think we undersold him there, or do you, uh, do you think that's uh, pretty accurate? I do think we undersold him a bit. Um... I mean, no skater had more wrist shot goals than McKinnon last year. I think he was in the 30s for those. Um, he takes it takes tremendous skills to have that kind of shot. Um, he is so fast. I'm always joining the rush, and I think um, <clears throat> since his he's increases assist totals for three years running, it's just going to be a trend that continues. He had 58 assists last year, so I think um, there's a lot of stability in assist numbers. So I think that yeah, he will. Um, exceed 100 points this year yeah and and i think with that i think you'll see him if he does break 100 i think he'll get to the 40 goal mark as well uh landed at 39 last season so uh three points shy of the 100 points last year one goal shy of 40 uh and he only played 74 games so a little bit of uh health in those remaining contests i think he would have hit it for sure uh and so uh talking about dallas now this is a club that's got a ton of top options here um you know they've got they've got ben Sagan, uh spezza but i'm gonna say that uh alexander radulov will lead the team in scoring. Now, I'm not talking just goals, talking assists in that category as well. Your take, Mike? Um, no, I think that's going to be Sagan. Uh, he's a high-volume shooter. He had 335 shots last year. And I don't know, a lot of these questions, like I feel like, you know, that I'm saying that the guy's not going to be good. No, Radulov <laughs> will be awesome. Um, but I just think that Sagan's in a whole other uh, class right now. Um, but Radulov, he had nine nearly 60% of his five-on-five shifts in the defensive zone under new coach Jim Montgomery so far. So I think that's a trend that could stick. Um, But, you know, he's still going to be an offensive-minded guy uh, overall. So I don't think that's a huge deal, but it is a consideration if if you're comparing him to a guy like Sagan. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. Now you look at the the current leaders here. You got Jamie Benn at five points, Radulov and Sagan both at four. Uh, and then interestingly, just uh, kind of a point that I'm seeing here, Connor Carrick coming in at three. Uh, wow. They snagged him away from the Leafs. So uh, kind of interesting to see him uh, racking up assists there uh, for, for the Stars, for his new team. Now we had uh, to Detroit in uh, your favorite club. Now obviously heading into the season, Philip Zadena was the big like guy everybody oh, expected yeah. to make the team. Uh, that did not happen. Instead, we have Ern uh, who made the team, or N maybe it's pronounced yeah, N. N. <laughs> um, and so my statement here for you, Mike, N will not spend any time in the minors. Well, I'll tell you that N himself sure hopes that's not the case because his HL salary is 62500 compared to 742500 in the NHL. Um, he was a surprise opening night inclusion. Um, <clears throat> a spot opened up to Henrik Zetterberg, and that's the first and last time I'll ever mention those two in the same sentence. Um, <laughs> however, um, and did get um, key uh, penalty killing time in last night's game against the Ducks, um, and no one scored when he was on the ice. So that's a good sign. Um, he's a Swedish player, 22 years old. Oh, yeah, speaking of Swedish players, the Red Wings absolutely love their Swedish players. So that's probably <laughs> why he was um, – I mean, he did surprise me as an opening night roster inclusion, but maybe he shouldn't have because Detroit's roster is mostly made up of Swedish players and players from Michigan. So they love their homegrown talent. But anyway, um, N had 17 points over 50 games for Frölunda HC – um, in his home country in 2017-18. Um, Martin Furk is capable of stepping out of the press box if N struggles out of the gate, which he isn't so far, but you just never know. So I think N will play in the minors this season, but so far so good with him. Yeah, I uh, I like uh, everything that he's brought to the table so far, but uh, I do think that's a big ass not to spend any time in the minors, and especially with a club like Detroit that really does uh, value its uh, affiliate there in Grand Rapids and, and sending guys uh, to spend some time there. Now for Edmonton, uh, it's one game, so maybe we're overreacting here a bit, um, but they did not look particularly good. Now they had the down season last year. You've got Connor McDavid on this team. Like you have to be good, right? Like it's it, it boggles the mind a little bit that they've struggled so much. So my statement here is Todd McClellan, the head coach there, will be fired before Christmas. I do believe that will be true. Um, he's been a coach in the Western Conference for 11 seasons between the Sharks and the Oilers. I think it is Stanley Cup or bust for him. There's lots of pressure, like like AJ alluded to, to appease Connor McDavid. Um, the Pacific Division is no joke. It's super competitive. Uh, of course, McClellan's former team, the Sharks, um, added Eric Carlson to make a lethal power play combo with Brent Burns. So I do think that he will get fired. Um, they, they were sixth place in the Pacific last season. Um, so I just think there's immense pressure on him that eventually he'll, he'll cave and, and the I really don't think the Oilers – I mean, even though they have McDavid, I just don't think there's enough support around him right now, their defense. They've had a lot of injuries on the blue line. Um, Secure is out, for instance. So I think that um, uh, between those factors, I think that McClellan will get fired, but I think it will be a late, a late axing. So are you going before or after Christmas, though? What do you think? <sighs> you said before Christmas. I did say uh, before. Yeah. Um, yeah, I – 
frankly ignored that point. But <laughs> but um, uh, before Christmas, no. After Christmas, yes, I'll say. All right, all right. Fair assessment there. Um, I honestly, I, I had to push this statement back for me. I was almost going to ask if he got cut, uh, let go before October was out. I, I just think you have Connor McDavid. I don't care what the guys around you are. Uh, yes, Cam Talbot had a bad season last year, and so there, there's obviously other concerns there, but you just can't be that bad with Connor McDavid on your team. Now, I'm kind of familiar with some of this in Pittsburgh. We've seen coaches get axed, Dan Bilesma, uh, Michel Therrien. Both those guys got axed in seasons where the Pens ultimately made it um, you know, a lot further in, in Stanley Cup contention. And when you have star players, you you don't have a lot of leash when you're the, the head coach there. So um, I'm definitely a full believer in this statement. I, I think Christmas uh, would be uh, – if he makes it to Christmas, that'll be a gift for him. That'll, <laughs> that'll be his Christmas gift is still being the coach. Love now, the puns. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so for Florida, um, we're obviously going to talk about the goaltender situation there. So at this point, I think when you break it down, 82 games, I think uh, Reimer will see the bulk of the starts this year. What do you What do you take on that? I do, and I think we saw it coming from a mile away. Um, just collectively, we did projections for these guys, and I think that uh, – well, we did. We Looking back, we, we did have Reimer projected for more starts than Luongo. Um, Luongo is 39 years old. He's really starting to break down physically. Um, he's out two to four weeks with an MCL sprain, um, and that's right at the start of the season. So I think that you know, even when Luongo was in a healthy state, the the coach made a point to give um, him a breather more often than not. Um, so I think that Reimer will definitely see the bulk of the starts this year, and he's probably the one to own in fantasy leagues as well. Yeah, to your point, they came out and said in an ideal world, uh, Luongo would make 50 starts this year. Uh, Obviously, that's not going to be the case with him being out two to four weeks. Uh, And so the question then becomes, do they still try and hit that 50 mark? So does he play more games down the stretch? Or did he uh, basically just sacrifice, you know, he'll miss probably about five, six starts here. so does you know does he just get those taken off the ideal 50 uh, for whatever they're thinking so we'll see how it shakes out but I do agree I think Reimer uh, is going to see more of the starts uh, for this club now uh, in LA obviously we have to talk about the big addition in the offseason Ilya Kovalchuk uh, and so my statement here for him Kovalchuk will score 40 goals this season uh, I'm going to say false on that one. I saw a clip of him um, from the opener, opening loss to the Sharks. They had the six foot three, 230-pound forward as a net front on the power play. Now, don't get me wrong. like He's huge. He's physically huge. And I think that um, when you have a guy like that, <clears throat> someone who's like such a excellent score in this pass i think you need to put him on the point on the power play um he was actually more of a distributor um in the last five seasons with ska st petersburg um but yeah like i was pulling up some youtube cl- youtube clips on him um from his days with the devils um he was a pure sniper and when he was on the power play he was blasting shots from the point so i think that's where he needs to be um i honestly don't know if that's where he ended up in his subsequent games but um that's just a role that I think suits him better. Yeah, you look at his numbers, um, a lot of power play goals here. 
uh, when he was in the NHL. Uh, in his first season, had 52 goals. 27 of those came on the power play. Uh, so that's a pretty heavy share there. Uh, and so no goals through the opening two games, but does have two assists. So obviously contributing in other ways. I think the bigger concern, honestly, is just five shots uh, in those first two games. And to Mike's point, if he's you know hanging out in front of the net, um, you're going to get tips maybe, uh, but you're obviously not taking a lot of shots there. So that's definitely a concern. Uh, for him now uh, this next one for Minnesota a bit of a 50-50 here these guys have been pretty close the last couple years but my statement is that Dumba will outscore Sutter this year Um, you know that hasn't been the case in the past Sutter's obviously a little bit more the veteran Dumba the young guy coming in so uh, what do you think can Dumba surpass him this season I do think that he will Um, these are two players in entirely different stages of their careers uh, Dumba's a career 8% shooter. That's amazing for a defenseman. Um, that would actually probably qualify as just like a forward not shooting too well, but for a defenseman, <laughs> for a defenseman, it's, it's a really good rate. Um, compared to Suter, who is a 4.4 career percent shooter, and his shots have fallen in the last two seasons. I'm talking about the veteran. Uh, his shots have fallen the last two seasons, so I think given that Dumba's a better he's a more accurate shooter and he had 14 goals last year. He's, he's getting to a point where he's approaching 200 shots per season. So given that he's um, a more accurate shooter and he's shooting more, I think it's a given that uh, he will outscore suit. Yeah. So for uh, the season, as it looks so far, only two games, Dumba does have a goal Sutter uh, or Suter rather no points. So, um, and to your, your shots, uh, uh, point there as well Dumba six shots through the the opening two games while Sutter has just just the two so uh, we'll we'll see how that shakes out uh, speaking of you know how teams will shake out Montreal uh, hasn't looked as bad as we thought they had the 5-1 victory over my Penguins unfortunately uh, so the statement for this club is that Montreal will make the playoffs what do you think Mike nope <laughs> um they share a division with the Lightning, Bruins, and Leafs. Um, those three are just powerhouses in that division. Um, you know, <laughs> admittedly, I did tell AJ that the Red Wings are going to make the playoffs. They're in that same division. <laughs> Let me just make it clear that I say things out of, like, eternal optimism perspective. <laughs> um, I, I, like, truthfully, I don't think that's going to happen for the Red Wings or the Canadians. But, you know, everyone can dream, right? But, but for the Canadians specifically, um, they're still getting used to Max Domi following that trade. Um, And, you know, just overall, I just think there's just too much firepower in that division for them to even get a wild card position. Yeah, I do do tend to agree. I just think they've looked, uh, you know, I think they've looked better than expected through the opening games. they're, they're using their speed really well. They're, they're a young team um, that is, is really fast, and, uh, and, and that's been uh, to their success. They had the, the overtime loss and, and the win over Pittsburgh. So, you know, three points uh, in a tough division through two games, uh, and they're only one point back of the leaders, uh, Boston, Buffalo, and Toronto all sitting at four. Granted, like I said, two games in, there's 80 more to go. Um, some of these guys are really young, but uh, I think I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Let me be clear. But I do think if they can stay maybe competitive until Shea Weber comes back, 
then this is a team to talk about in the second half of the season. But again, it's early. Uh, some of these statements, like I said, are going to be bold calls or even in some cases maybe outrageous calls. So we'll see where, where we land on this. For, for Nashville, we're going to keep talking about team results here. Uh, my statement for you, Mike, Nashville will win the President's Trophy. I do think that's true. Um, they're, in my mind, one of the, the most well-rounded team in the Western Conference anyway. Um, they've had four straight playoff appearances. They're getting great goaltending. Um, Pekka Rene is their reigning Vezina Trophy winner. Uh, they're stacked with offensive defensemen. you got uh, Roman Yossi and P.K. Subban, um, just to name a few. Um, I just think that there's very, very few holes in that team, and I think that's just going to rack up the wins for for the goal for the goalies Pecorine and uh, Saros, and I think that they're going to be great fantasy options to own. And I just think that they're just going to pile on the wins and win the President's Trophy. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point about UC Saros. Now, um, if you're in a league where you know it's a little bit deeper and having a, a backup, you know. It, makes sense i think saros is going to be one of the best backup options out there uh, rene is obviously the starter going to see the bulk of the starts but i think with how good saros was last year and has been i think he definitely can compete uh and take some of the workload off uh off of him off of uh, rene there and so he might see maybe he heads towards 30 30 uh games played it's it's definitely possible and we'll see how that shakes out so something to keep an eye on if you're in a deeper league where keeping a backup makes sense uh speaking of net miners uh in new jersey uh cory schneider obviously dealing with the injury the statement here is that by the end of the year um and maybe even sooner but at least by the end of the year kincaid uh, will displace displace rather cory schneider as the starter uh, for the devils uh, I'm going to say that's false, at least not right away. Um, obviously, Schneider's out of commission right now with hip problems. Um, Schneider has a $6 million cap hit. Uh, Kincaid's at $1.3 million, so they're going to want to get as much out of Schneider as possible. He did have a .95 save percentage in 2014-15. I'm talking about Schneider. Uh, .924 save percentage in 2015 and 16 but he's never won more than 27 games in a season however i just think that it's hard to have him lose the job just based on injury so i think they're giving going to give him every chance to get healthy and to um still retain the job yeah and you make a great point about contract status there too you know schneider uh six mil this year as you said and for the next three seasons uh, there. So they're obviously invested in Corey Schneider's future. Um, only a couple years older than Keith Kincaid. Uh, Schneider is 32, Kincaid is 29, and Kin Kincaid doesn't have a contract after this season. So um, he's in a, kind of a, a pivotal position here with Schneider out. They've obviously got Eddie Lack, too, kind of floating around there, so they could make a decision. Both those guys going to be UFAs next season. Um, so I do think you're probably right. The contract is what uh, defines the situation here, but maybe there's somebody willing to take that on. Maybe they move him. Uh, if Kincaid can really take over uh, the starting job here. And uh, again, we're going to talk basically the same question here with the Islanders. Um, and it, it 
obviously based on yesterday's game, it seems like this might uh, be a very clear statement here. Lerner will take over as the starter from Thomas Grice on Long Island. True. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mike's done. Uh, We'll move on to the next. No, go ahead. No, so Grice got the first two starts of the season. They wanted to ease Lerner into the mix. Um, So Grice had that 45 save win over the Hurricanes in his season debut. So everyone kind of was like, oh, maybe he could be the starter. But uh, I think eventually Lerner will take over. He did have the shutout over the Sharks on Monday. That was huge. That was absolutely huge. He had 35 save shutout. And um, what, I, what I really like about Lerner is he opened up, he courageously opened up about his battle with bipolar disorder and alcohol, alcoholism. Um, he had dealt with that a lot in Buffalo. And it just takes um, a lot of character to you know, admit those um, faults that, you know, we all struggle with different things in life. Um, I'm a huge advocate for mental health, and I, I really admire Leonard for doing that. And, you know, you just have to cheer for the guy. Even if you're not an Islands, Islanders fan, you just have to cheer for the guy because he, he opened up, he was honest with himself, and he sought treatment. He's going to be better for it, and I think you'll see the results on the ice. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that will uh, definitely impact uh, his play on the ice for the better. Um, And I I think you make a great point there. Uh, For the other team in New York, now, I did not do this on purpose, but apparently in that area of the country, we're only talking goalies here. Um, It's only striking me now, but we're going to continue with the Rangers, continue talking goalies here. And this one's one's a little more out there. It's something I suggested last season, um, and so I want to get your take on it. Henrik Lundqvist will be traded this year. What do you think? I do. <clears throat> excuse me. I do think that's false. I don't think it'll happen this year. Um, he has a really heavy cap hit, eight point five million per season for the next three seasons. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Lundqvist is one of the best goalies ever to play, but uh, his cap hit is second highest next to Carey Price's ten point five million. Um, so there's tons of miles on Lundqvist. Um, he's second only to Roberto Luongo among active goalies in games played. He has 807 of those in his career. Um, so I think next year Lundqvist uh, will be traded to a team that's desperate for goaltending and willing to retain some of his salary. And hey, AJ, maybe he will be Seattle's next goaltender a la Fleury to the Golden Knights. You know, that's honestly not a bad suggestion there. Um, you know, the only problem there is the Rangers are in this rebuild, retool, whatever they want to call it, um, exposing Lundqvist to potential uh, Seattle expansion would, you know, net them basically nothing uh, for him. I don't think you're going to see teams making the same trades with Seattle that they did with Vegas. I think a lot of clubs feel like they kind of got fleeced on some of those deals. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I point to this all the time. The Penguins actually gave the the Golden Knights a 2020 pick to make sure they took Flurry, which seems like just it boggles the mind to, to really consider there. But the thing you do mention, the cap hit is huge. Obviously, I think the Rangers would have to retain a good portion of that salary uh, in order to move him. But Lundqvist could get pretty good value. Now, you run into the same problem with Bobrovsky that we talked about early. Do you actually get the value that he's worth? Uh, and I don't think that would be the case, obviously, even with an offseason trade. I just These goaltenders are too good, but 
the market is such that there's not a ton of teams that necessarily would be looking for it. So when you make these goaltender trades, uh, you don't really see a true return on investment for for those guys. And and I do think a lot of that has to do with the market there. So uh, we'll we'll move away from goaltenders. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Ottawa Senators now. Obviously, the big deal there, Eric Carlson, is gone. And so my statement will bring that uh, into effect. What I'm going to say is the entire blue line, so all all six guys or you know, seven, eight, whatever, when you factor in uh, call-ups and, and guys that play additional games, but the entire blue line won't match Eric Carlson's 2017-18 point total. Uh, I really think that's false. Um, so Carlson had 62 points in 71 games last season, just as perspective for the listeners. Uh, but you have Thomas Shabbat. Uh, he alone should get them at least halfway there. Shabbat was the 2018 first round, 18th overall draft pick uh, for the Senators. Uh, he already has two goals, two assists over his first pair of games. And when a guy storms out of the gate like that, you just know that he has a good handle on the offense. Um, not trying to get too excited about early production, but at the same time, like you just know that this guy's ready to play. Um, his defensive partner, Dylan DeMello, he came over in that Carlson trade. He had 20, 20 assists, albeit no points for the Sharks last year. But between his playmaking skills and Shabbat's um, goal-scoring prowess, I think just those two alone could could match Carlson's point total from last year. Interesting, interesting. I'm, I'm a little more... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not as optimistic as you might be on this one, but... They are at 10 already, so they don't have really far to go, I guess, to get to 62, and that's only through three games. So um, the math might just not be there, but it does seem like this blue line uh, obviously won't quite stack up. But a great point about Shabbat. He he is off to a strong start here uh, to kick off the season. We're going to talk uh, Philadelphia Flyers next. Uh, their big kind of acquisition or, uh, you know, centerpiece guy that they they acquired uh in the draft is nolan patrick i feel like you don't hear a lot about him uh very very quiet um kind of talk about him his name just doesn't come up a lot in a lot of circles uh and so my statement for him is that nolan patrick won't reach 30 points this year yeah um i'm gonna uh, this is a tough one but i'm gonna say false um so patrick was the second row second overall pick in 2017 he did have 30 points last season he had 13 goals and 17 assists so if you're saying that he's not going to reach 30 points you you're saying that he's going to have a worse year than his rookie season um which i don't think is going to happen but um the reason why i think he will exceed 30 points is um he's going to get more opportunities with james man reamsdyk out he's out five to six weeks with a lower body injury and um so, so um, Patrick, though, he had a 73% of his five-on-five shifts in the defensive zone this year so far. Um, that's going to level out, um, and he's going to get just more opportunities in the attacking area, which is what you want from a fantasy player. And so I think that just the pure makeup of what Van Riemsdyk otherwise would have produced in the way of shots and goals I think is going to be made up from Patrick, even if he's not the direct replacement. 
Yeah. So obviously, you know, our listeners won't be surprised that I'm not high on, on the flyers here. Um, you're not, no, no. <laughs> I, and Mike obviously doesn't listen to the show enough. Um, no kidding. Mike's well aware of my, uh, penguins fandom. So, uh, I think the situation here, as I see it, I I'm, I'm a no on this. I don't think he reaches 30 points. Um, they call it sophomore slump for a reason that the, it is a, a real thing. The other concerning part is last year had just eight points on the power play, um, and I, I don't think that's uh, enough. I don't really see him taking on a drastically increased role from what he had last season. Saw just under two minutes of power play ice time per game last year, and I expect it'll be more the same this year. So um, the lack of big power play numbers, I think, uh, factored in with, with a sophomore slump here. I don't think he repeats that 30 total, and he doesn't have any points through the first two games. So, um, so far... Uh, it's looking like I'm I'm correct on this one, but we'll see. Maybe Mike and I will have to negotiate some sort of lunch bet here yep. on Nolan Patrick. Uh, and then for uh, my club, the Pittsburgh Penguins, obviously a rough start to the season. Uh, I don't want to. I'll let you talk about that more than I will. But my statement here is that the Penguins will bring in a veteran netminder here at some point. Okay, so. <laughs> You obviously are very familiar with how Antti Nieme burned them last time they tried to do that. Um, so I think they're a little snake-bitten by that. Um, they've tried to really make it work between uh, DeSmith and Tristan Jari um, as the number two behind um, Pittsburgh. But it always seems to waver, right, AJ, like between those two goalies. Um, it seems like they can't settle on one or the other. Um, Jari's in the AHL right now, but he was believed to be the de facto number two um, to start the season. Um, they really do need stability between the pipes. But, um, I mean, you know this better than anyone, but I really think that uh, veteran presence would help them. Yeah, I think what I'm I'm looking at is maybe not even a, an on-ice factor, right? When, when Matt Murray played his absolute best uh, was when Flurry was still in the locker room. Uh, they were – obviously, workload is, is a factor there. They were splitting some of those starts, but – he doesn't have that. He's effectively with the Smith and Jari. He's the the veteran leader in in the locker room in terms of goaltending, uh, and he's not that old. He's only like 24, 25, I think, right now. And so, for me, I I think they need to consider something. And and I don't know what that looks like. Whether it's uh, you know whether they how they would maybe trade for somebody. I think is really the only option. You're not going to sign a guy off the streets at this point, but. It is a concerning situation that he's given up uh, 11 goals through the first two games. Uh, did get a win out of one of those. We'll talk about that a little later. But um, I have some serious concerns right now about Matt Murray's game on the ice and perhaps some sort of uh, sounding board veteran leadership uh, in the locker room can maybe help him get right and kind of stabilize. So really, uh, it's not about taking away the number one job from him. It's more providing some, you know, some off ice addition that he's just not going to get from Jari and Smith. And that's not, you know, a knock on either of those guys. They just don't have the experience that you might want uh, for Murray to kind of talk to somebody else there. Uh, so we'll talk about San Jose. Now we talked about Carlson getting over uh, you know, 60 points last year and how that'll factor with Ottawa. Uh, my statement here is that neither Carlson nor Brent Burns will net 60 points this season. This is, <clears throat> is going to be a controversial take, but 
I think that's true. I don't think either of them will net 60 points this year. Um, that would be possible. That would be very possible. Um, actually, I would put money on it if they were paired together in even strength situations. But um, the defense would take a huge hit. I'm talking about the own zone play. The keeping pucks away from goalies would take a massive hit if those guys were were um, paired together. So, however, um, again, to my point about them being like if they were paired together at even strength, um, since Carlson's such an elite passer and Burns is a high-volume shooter, that would just be flat-out fun to watch. But <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Um, Burns did have 153 giveaways even in his Norris Trophy winning season in 2016 and 17. And Carlson went minus three in Monday's game against the Islanders. It's it's going to be a huge adjustment for Carlson, I think. Um, more than people realize, um, you, you know, you it takes team chemistry and not just pure talent to make a successful team and even a successful lineup or uh, defensive pairing combo. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think so. And, I, and part of that is because both guys on their respective teams last year were the like power play quarterback. Um, and if they're playing on the same power play unit, they, they obviously can't both do that. Um, if they're playing on separate units, one of them, uh, would see a drop in production playing with with the number two group of guys. So um, just one point combined between the two of them through the first three games. Uh, so I don't think uh, – I think the pairing is good. Bringing him in is good for the team as a whole. In terms of fantasy production, I think both guys are going to see a drop this year. Um, so we'll, we'll go to uh, St. Louis here, uh, a team that has – dealt with a lot of injuries to start the season and one guy that you know I've been very high on for a while but just hasn't been able to stay healthy uh, is Robbie Fabry he's once again on injured reserve he's on non-roster IR with them right now and so the the statement here is uh, Robbie Fabry will play in 41 games I sure hope so for his sake but I doubt it um it's really sad his situation I know injuries are part of the game but this guy has terrible luck uh, the 2014 first round, 21st overall pick. He's torn his ACL twice. He didn't play at all last year. He's already on non-roster injured reserve with a groin injury. Seems like it's always something for this guy. And he, I mean, you just hope for his sake and for the Blues' sake that uh, that he can actually get healthy finally. Yeah, I mean, I I love this guy when he's when he's healthy and on the ice. Like I said, 37 points in his rookie season, played 72 games as a 19-year-old, uh, followed that up in 2016 season, cut partially short, 51 games, but still hit the you know hit 29 points that year, just one shy of the 30-point mark, and so um, a solid production guy. You know, you look at his shooting percentages those two years as well: 15.8 as a rookie, 12.1. Uh, in his sophomore campaign and so this is a guy that has the talent but just has been snake bit by injuries over and over again Um, I hope he's going to play 41 games I think he will Uh, but you know not uh, has skated recently been on on the ice with the team so perhaps uh, he can make his return from that groin injury somewhere uh, sometime soon here for Tampa Bay uh, we'll talk uh, goaltenders again here Andre Vasilevsky will win the Vesna Trophy this season. 
I sure hope so, because that means I'll have success on my fantasy team. <laughs> but no, just kidding. No one should care about my fantasy team. But <laughs> but he is an athletic goalie. He's six foot three, two hundred and seven pounds. Um, he plays for a great team, just like the Predators. Uh, they they really don't have many holes on that team at all. Their top line is absolutely lethal. Um, so I think he's just going to get tons of wins and. Even though wins aren't much of an individual component, I think uh, you know it just makes the goalie look that much better. Um, and uh, you know, the thing about Vasilevsky is he was fatigued last year. He really hit, hit a wall. Um, his save percentage dipped to nine oh five over the final uh, thirty three games. Yet he's of the regular season that is. Yet he still finished with a. save mark on the year so that tells you that he was a strong first half performer so I think that since he he's more experienced than he now has he had a whole offseason to get in a better mental mindset and even physical shape I think that you're going to see him have his best year yet and win the Vesna. Yeah, for my money, I think it's between Vasilevsky and another youngster in uh, in Connor Hellubuck for Winnipeg. I think those are probably the two leading uh, candidates for the Vesna this year, but certainly don't want to sleep on some of the the veteran stalwarts in, in Rene um, and guys like that. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Uh, for Toronto, uh, I went with uh, the Statsman's own words for this one. Wanted to get your take on it. It was a bold call. Uh, Paul believes that Mitch Marner will lead the team in scoring this season. What say you? Um, so this is similar to how you phrased it before, where you mean scoring like total points, right? Yep, total points. Okay, well, that kind of changes my perspective a little bit. But um, I think either way, it's it's going to be false. Um Matthews is just out of his mind right now. Um, I know it's early, but he already has five goals on just 10 shots. Um, Marner uh, should be a point-per-game player with John Tavares, but I think Matthews is out to prove that this team belongs to him, even with the presence of Tavares. Um, I mean, he lobbied for Tavares to come to Toronto, but I still think that there's a part of Matthews that is just like, I have to show that I am the guy in Toronto, and I think he's going to do it. Yeah, to your point, uh, you know, looking at the the stats right now, Matthews at eight, uh, Morgan Riley with six coming in as their second uh, highest scorer right now, which is definitely a surprise when you consider all the talent that they have on this team. Patrick Marlowe at four, Mitch Marner at four, and then John Tavares also at four. So uh, I think it's a tough ask. It was a bold call by Paul then. It's a bold call still today so we'll see how that shakes out for the stats man uh in vancouver we're going to talk uh, trophy season again here my statement for you mike is elias Pettersson will win the calder trophy for rookie of the year oh i do think that's true i love this guy uh so <clears throat> Pettersson, i do think will win the calder but other early favorites very early favorites are Rasmus Dahlin from the Sabres and Sveshnikov, who I alluded to earlier, was the second overall pick of this year's draft. But um, yeah, the thing about Pedersen, um, he's come to play right out of the gate. He has five points in his first two games. He has three goals on six shots. He's an immensely skilled sniper. He led Sweden to the gold medal at the 2018 World Championship. Um, and here's another interesting fact that about Pedersen. He was a SHL playoff MVP for the, his uh, his. They go by the Lakers. Oh sure. Um, I don't. 
I don't know like the city name or whatever, but um, the committee that votes on the SHL MVP, um, it's the first time in the history of that league that they've had a unanimous vote for the MVP and Pedersen got it. So I think that says a lot about him. Um, Swedes are really um, prevalent around the NHL these days. So I think that Pedersen is really going to just continue to shine. Um, he's not getting many minutes, though. He's, he's only at like 13 minutes per game so far. But you know that's just going to increase as he gets more comfortable. So Pedersen for Calder. Yeah, I definitely think uh, that's probably what's going to happen. But, yeah, there are going to be – a couple other guys that that make a run at it um you know I, it, a couple other names that that pop out to mind that we've already mentioned Warren Fogel Max Comtois uh even Kiefer Sherwood maybe uh if you know if the Ducks still have a bunch of injuries um he could compete uh in this list here but I think at this point at least uh that that trophy is Elias Pettersson's to lose obviously Casey Middlestad we didn't even mention him is another guy who could show up uh, on this list uh heading into uh Van uh, uh Vegas here we're going to talk uh, a different Carlson we're going to talk uh William Carlson here had that huge breakout season uh 70 plus points last year my statement for you Mike is that Carlson won't hit 50 points this year I do think that's false, but I don't think it'll be much more than 50 points. Um, of course, everything went right for Vegas in their inaugural season. Well, almost everything because they, <laughs> they didn't win the Stanley Cup. But, I mean, I, I w- was all over this team. I loved them. I just love their story after that terrible tragedy last October. Um, well, October of last year. Um, I think they just, you know, were out to prove that, you know, they could do the impossible, and they almost did. Um, but anyway, for Carlson, um, there's more offensive balance this year with the Golden Knights. You got Max Pacioretty, Paul Stastny on that second line. So um, George McPhee, the GM of the Golden Knights, already just in his second year of being their GM, he has like a rock solid top six um, full of offensive weapons. So I think, um, you know, that's certainly not going to hurt Carlson. However, he had a 23.4 shooting percentage with them last year. That's not a sustainable rate. Um, but he could still get around uh, 19 minutes per game. Um, I think, um, you know, only an injury could prevent him from, you know, getting, let's see, at least 40 points. Like I think, I think if he was if he got an injury and he was out for a significant significant time, that's the only chance they would have of not hitting like forty or fifty points. But um, I still don't think that he will get much more than that. So uh, I'm I'm taking the under on this one now. For what it's worth, the the Rotowire uh, preseason projection for William Carlson is fifty four points. Does have two assists through the first three games, um, but I just think that that seventy eight was uh, is going to go down as an anomaly in his career. Here, uh, you look at his his previous two seasons: twenty points, twenty five points. Now, granted, has taken on a significantly different and uh, increased role uh, with with Vegas than he ever had in Columbus, and I definitely think he's capable of hitting fifty. But uh, seventy eight, I think, is going to be the high watermark. Uh, for his career and I, I I'm looking at more 45 this season I think in terms of of production here 
Uh, just a couple of teams left here for Washington. Um, this one is probably the most outlandish uh, take that I'm going to ask you about, um, but I'm going to stick with it. Uh, Ovechkin won't lead the team in scoring. Now, again, in terms of scoring, I mean the full uh, point production here. Yeah, so... <sighs> Again, I kind of thought it was based on just goals. but um, So with Ovechkin, the monkey's off his back, right? So he, he got his Stanley Cup. He's one of the most accomplished players in NHL history. Um, he had a whole offseason of just nothing but partying. <laughs> so I think um, you're just going to see a, a more calm Ovechkin, and that's just downright scary. He's had five straight years of 300-plus shots. Um, the team is so conditioned to feeding him the puck from the point on the power play. Um, I think he gets back to 50 goals for the first time in three seasons to lead the team in goals. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, if he gets 50 goals, that, that'll lead the team in, in overall points, I imagine, yeah. too. Um, just to put it in perspective, so where I'm kind of coming from, uh, he's currently sitting fourth uh, on the team in overall points. You've got TJ Oshie, who's off to a phenomenal start with five uh, Backstrom has four, Carlson has four, and then Alexander Ovechkin comes in at three. Like I said, this is probably, I'm not sure I even think it, uh, probably one of the most outlandish calls of the year. But just looking at the start of the season, you've got a red-hot TJ Oshie who's looking really good. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe it's finally time, to your point about uh, Alexander Ovechkin taking a different approach, maybe it's finally time where he doesn't have to win every single game for the team and feels like he can rely on his teammates a little bit more. And maybe that benefits a guy like TJ Oshie. We'll see what happens. I do ultimately think he'll lead the team in points. I'm, I'm not that crazy uh, of a, yeah. of a, you know, prognosticator here, but it's certainly something to, to talk about and consider here. Our last team, the Winnipeg jets. Uh, I'm going to talk trophy season here again. Blake Wheeler will take home the Art Ross Trophy. What say you, Mike? Uh, I'm going to say that's false. It's it's definitely a hot take. Um, he had a career-high 91 points last year. I don't think a lot of people realize that. Um, he's aging like fine wine, but as long as <laughs> Connor McDavid is is around, uh, he's going to be – McDavid is going to be the three-time consecutive winner of the Art Ross, I believe. Um, he just, he's just godlike. <laughs> Uh, you know, from, from my, my point, uh, you know, I, I think Wheeler are definitely being in contention for it. Um, he'll have to break the hundred point mark absolutely in order to get there. Um, and so obviously we, we said McKinnon could be right there. McDavid obviously is the talent that, that he is, uh, on this club. So I think Wheeler will be in the mix here, um, but does need to produce a, a little bit higher rate. He's got two points through two games. Uh, that's obviously not enough to get over 100. You need uh, a little bit more than that, but we'll see how it shakes out. So that's our, our statements per team. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the format here today. I, I'd love to hear from people on Twitter. Um, tweet at me, Mike, whoever, you know, Paul, let him know too uh, what you thought of today's kind of breakdown of, of the teams. Um, and so we can kind of build uh, the podcast around what you guys want to hear and how you want us to talk about your favorite teams uh, and, you know, fantasy takes and stuff like that. We're going to change uh, focus here and talk uh, daily and talk about FanDuel. 
Now, as you've heard us say, over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. I've had a pretty decent uh, run of success lately across a couple different formats. Uh, NHL obviously has been a factor there, had a pretty big win. And by big win, I mean, I'm talking like, as I've tweeted out, I'm a small ball player. I don't know about you, Mike, but uh, I top out at like $5 for an entry. Um, And so, you know, I'm not putting up huge numbers, but uh, played a $1 Champions League contest uh, last week. If you're a soccer fan out there, won eight bucks on that one. So for me, that's a big win. So so definitely talking small ball here for me personally. But um, so yeah, I had some football success this last weekend. So there's a ton of contests out there. Um, If you want to get into NHL DFS, if you haven't done it before, uh, I would encourage you to enter one of those everybody pays contests. They're just 25 cents. So you don't have to worry about having a big budget. Uh, You'll get maybe even like a, a, you know, a dime or a nickel back, um, you know, based on how you do, but you can win up to two bucks and it's a nice way to kind of ease into NHL DFS. I feel like, um, so, uh, now we do, as always, have the special offer uh, for new users, new signups to FanDuel. Uh, you go to fanduel.com slash RW. You'll get a six-month subscription to Rotowire on the house. Can use things like our lineup optimizer, our uh, advanced uh, daily lineups for hockey. So a bunch of tools out, out there. Obviously, all of these contests are void where prohibited. Uh, for tonight's slate, we're looking at a six-game slate. couple intriguing matchups here. You've got the Sharks at the Flyers, Canucks at Hurricanes, Avalanche at Columbus, Flames at the Predators, Kings at Jets, which for my money might be the game of the night, um, but also you have Maple Leafs at Stars, so that could be a really competitive one too. Um, I did mention the Rotowire Optimizer, so I'll give you a quick rundown of what that's looking like here. Um, I actually kind of like the lineup optimizer um, play tonight. Nothing on it jumps out at me as kind of a glaring deficiency here. Uh, Austin Matthews uh, at 8,100. Tyler Sagan at 7,900 are your centers uh, based on the optimizer. Obviously, that's a big price tag. Um, and then it's going to go Johnny Gaudreau, 7,500 as the top winger. So uh, lots of money spent up top. Your savings options from the optimizer, Kevin Fiala at 4,200 for Nashville, Tyler Ennis at 3,200 for uh, Toronto, and Dylan Dube, the youngster for Calgary, uh, 3,000. Certainly uh, an intriguing option, and I'll talk a little bit more about him in a bit. Defensively, uh, Optimizer wants you to pay up for Brent Burns. No points yet this season, but obviously uh, he should get there now. As we said, may not quite get to 60 like he did in past seasons, but we'll see. 6,700 for him. Mark Giordano as the other one, 5,500. And then in the Nets, uh, the Optimizer likes the pay up for Sergei Bobrovsky at 8,800. You've got, uh, you know, the, the... Colorado club here is uh, definitely a little bit better uh, than they have been in the past, but still uh, a favorite in that one. Columbus minus 135 uh, in that contest. So that's what the optimizer looks like, who it's playing. Mike, who you got going tonight? All right. Well, first I'll start off by saying that I used all of my daily dollars, um, not in terms of actual dollars, but the money <laughs> that you get to spend on players. Um, that's That wasn't really intentional. And, you know, I don't, I don't even think, as a side, I don't think players should really worry too much about spending all their money. Um, it's just more that that's how the dominoes fell for this one. Um, but right out right out to start, I got Austin Matthews. Um, 
you know, obviously, like, I just feel like Matthews is a guy that, like, he's he's definitely a chalky player. Everyone will be on him. Um, however, I feel like you're you're just missing out on, like, almost guaranteed production from him. Um, so he's 8,100. Uh, we got Pierre-Luc Dubois from the from the Blue Jackets. Um, another strategy that I like to do is I like to, um, well, aside from Matthews, like I like to get players who generally like are very productive offensive players, but aren't necessarily like the biggest names um, on the team. Cause that way you can um, possibly hit um, and get um, players that have low exposure. And that's particularly important in tournament plays. Um, so I got Dubois at 6,200. I went with Blake Wheeler, um, kind of against the point I just made, but he, he's seventy four hundred dollars. Um, you know that's not crazy. Um, he he has a eighteen point two five fantasy points average over his first two games. It's kind of like guaranteed production again. Um, they're going against um, well, Jonathan Quick is injured, so they're going against um, the Kings, and they're going against uh, their backup goaltender Jack Campbell and I Jack believe. Campbell. Yes. So, I mean, he held his own against the Red Wings, but, you know, the Red Wings are <laughs> in poor shape right now. Um, so, yeah, I like, I like Wheeler tonight. Um, Nikolai Goldobin uh, for the Canucks. He's my, um, my value pick, I would say. He's only at 3,600. He's a pure sniper. Um, he was a former Shark. Um, but when everyone's um, playing guys like Elias Pettersson, um, you want the exposure from a guy like Goldobin, who's much, much, ugh, who's much more cost efficient and can probably still get you a goal or assist. So next in line is Evander Kane. Um, I, I like, I like you know what his role is on the Sharks. Uh, he's always been a gritty player, but you know, he's definitely an agitator. But he can score. Um, he's got 16.53 average fantasy points in uh, his first three games played with the Sharks. You got Alex Kerfoot um, at 4,300. He's an avalanche player on the wing. Um, second, He's in a top six role. He's on the second line. Uh, I think he's another good value play, just a really smart player who um, can really rack up the points in a hurry. Um, I'm also doing a little mini stack there by sticking with the Avalanche, going with Samuel Gerard, uh, former Predator. He's uh, 4,200. Eh, you know, it's just one of those plays that, like, I, you know, you just hope for the best for him. He, he's definitely a talented player, and he had an assist in his uh, last game against the Flyers. Um, but he also has six blocks over his first two games. So that's another area that you shouldn't overlook when you're playing DFS is it's not all about goals or assists. Uh, you, you need those defensive contributions as well. Um, you know, like plus or minus isn't counted, but you got um, blocks in there as pretty much the, the lone uh, defensive category. So don't overlook that. And then you got Mike Riley. <laughs> or, I'm sorry, Morgan Riley. Um, oh man, he's just been a complete beast on the first pairing there for for the Maple Leafs, but that's no surprise because he got Austin Matthews and uh, and uh, Tavares on the first power play, and then in goal finally we have Pekka Rinne, um, the reigning Vezina Trophy winner. I talked about him earlier. I just, I mean, I I think like 
Saros is eventually going to take over the goalie goaltending position. I believe Rene's in a contract year. Um, AJ, can you fact check that for me? I'll take a look here. <laughs> um, but regardless, Saro, Saros is um, going to be the goaltender of the future of that team, I believe. So what you got? Yeah, so Pekka Rene, uh, $7 million this year, an unrestricted free agent after the season. Uh, so, yeah, be interesting to see what they, what they do there. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, so I just think, you know, he, he doesn't have – he hardly has anything to prove besides that he can lead the team to the cup. However, I, I just really like Rene because he, he's just basically playing for um, a contract with his next team. And yeah. That sums up my daily lineup. Yeah, it looks uh, looks good. I'm I'm on a lot of the same teams, uh, not necessarily the same players, and that's that's purely by accident. You know, um, didn't uh, didn't look at each other's lineups ahead of time. Uh, so how I shake out, uh, I went with Tavares over Matthews, paid up, and, and basically a similar situation. I, I don't think the matchup is particularly good for the Leafs. Uh, Dallas is is a tough team, but I think they're they're a club that can totally um, compete here, uh, and those guys are good any night of the week. It really doesn't matter. And I paired him uh, with uh, Sean Couturier, 6,900. Uh, you know, Aaron Dell is going for the Sharks tonight. Martin Jones is uh, went last night, and that's part of the factor here too. You've got Sharks on the, the tail end of a back-to-back. They're on the road. Um, so I think flyer a flyer stack, while I didn't do it, might not be a bad play tonight. Uh, and then to Winnipeg, you said Wheeler. I'm going Line A, uh, 7,600, so a little bit cheaper. Um, but obviously, he's another guy that's a huge factor. Um, the the Winnipeg's at home where they've played really well the last you know last season. Uh, and so with all that spending, you know I've got Tavares at 84, Couturier at 69, Line A at 76. Uh, so had to find some cheaper options here. And so I started off uh, with Craig Smith for 5,200, and now. Uh, how I found Craig Smith, just to give you a little insight, a little tip here, uh, on Rotowire, we have advanced daily lineups is something, um, that we offer. It shows you things like individual Corsi, individual Corsi four, uh, zone offensive draws, zone defensive draws, fantasy points per 60 minutes. Um, and you can tailor that to your, uh, specific site. So talking FanDuel, you know, I mentioned Couturier here. He's got 16.9 uh, fancy points per 60 minutes uh, on the year. So uh, when I was looking for some kind of intriguing depth options, uh, Craig Smith stood out here to me. An individual Corsi 4 of 27.9 through the opening uh, start of the season. And he's taking 7.5 offensive zone faceoffs compared to two defensive zone faceoffs. So Obviously, guys can score when the, the play starts in their, their D zone. Um, they can break it out, get up the ice, and, and still score. But if your faceoffs are coming in the offensive zone, I just think you have a better chance of um, you know, getting, you know, getting the puck into the net, obviously. And so that, that high Corsi, the high offensive zone, has me on Craig Smith tonight for a really discounted price of 5200 uh, And I went even cheaper with my other two options. We talked about Fogel a little bit off the top. Uh, he's off to a hot, hot start with Carolina tonight. Vancouver, 
uh, is is playing playing well with with Markstrom. Um, but again, I think Fogel's looking really good on that second line uh, and has 27.5 fantasy points per 60 minutes. Now, again, that's not per game; it's per 60 minutes. So a little bit different uh, way to look at it. And then Dylan Dube. Uh, for Calgary tonight against Nashville. Now, granted, that's a tough out. Um, a, you know, Nashville at home is a tough team. Dube has a really good assignment, in my opinion. Now, it is the third line, but he's playing with Sam Bennett and James Neal. Uh, hasn't put up a whole lot of points yet. Looking at 2.4 fantasy points per game right now, um, based on FanDuel's numbers here. But uh, I like. Um, I like the assignment he's got playing with James Neal. I think he can do well from that spot. And at $3,000 really lets me spend up in other places. And one of those places is Goss Despair tonight for Philadelphia. Again, I talked about the matchup, and really that's what I'm looking for here. He's their best offensive guy on a team that I think could have a big night. And then Dougie Hamilton for Carolina at 5100 I think that's slightly underpriced, to be perfectly honest with you, um, for a guy like Dougie Hamilton. And then in goal, uh, Rene, I think, is a great option. Um, but the guy I'm going with is Connor Hellybuck, 8,600. Really looking uh, strong out the gate here, and I think is poised for, for a big, big season. So that's how our FanDuel lineups stack up. If you have questions about yours, uh, want to know what contest you know, I'm entering, Mike's entering, feel free to tweet at us. I'm always willing to share that um, with, with you guys out there or take a look at your daily lineups, give you some feedback too. Uh, we're definitely willing to help out there. Uh, for the stud and rant of the week, uh, we're going to start off, obviously, as we always do with the stud. And Elias Pettersson, for me, uh, was the stud of the week. Uh, with the Sedins gone, I think much of the NHL world, myself included, kind of wrote off the season entirely uh, for you know Vancouver. But uh, Pettersson is really having none of that. He's off to a great start to the year. Three goals, a pair of assists in, through the first two games. Uh, certainly, I, I'm not saying he's going to turn this team around um, and, and make them a playoff team. Um, but I also don't think they're going to be heavy favorites at the draft lottery this year. Uh, I think having a guy who pretty, you know, like I said before, I think the Calder is his to lose at this point. Um, and so for me, Elias Pettersson, stud of the week. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree with that. And, you know, we touched base on Pettersson earlier. Um, you know, like AJ said, with the Sedin's gone, I just think, I just think this guy is going to tear it up and, He's got staying power in the top six. Like, they really need him in that role. And, um, you know, that's where you want to be if you have a fantasy contributor who you're relying on. Yeah, and so we'll go uh, then to the rant of the week. And for me, uh, no specific person, just a general category here. And it's been the goaltending. Um, you know, maybe it, it could be the reduced padding. We, we talked a little bit about that in our, our preseason uh, shows. You know, they're wearing the slightly smaller chest protectors. They added the the tight tighter pants last season so it, it could certainly be um, the equipment here but we've already seen two games this season in which a goalie walked away with a victory despite giving up six goals in a game I mean I I haven't been able to track down or run the numbers if somebody out there has it I, I would be surprised if that happened at all last season to be perfectly honest with you I thought the the you know uh, Penguins doing that to the uh, the Capitals was going to be the exception, and then it happens again. Uh, I just think uh, something, you know, I love scoring as much as everybody else, but I really would prefer to see a little bit 
of uh, some more goaltending here. I think if you took the over in every single game to start this season, you'd have a nice little pile of cash sitting on your desk for you right now because the goaltending just has not been there. So again, I don't know if guys are resting too much during the preseason and, and are you know carrying rust in into the start of the year or if it is the the you know smaller pads the the reduced um you know ways to stop the puck um, but i would really like to see some goaltenders step up a little bit more uh and stop kind of the the bleeding as it were that we're seeing right now yeah absolutely and as a closing thought i'll just say that um you know i also like goal scoring it makes it a lot more exciting however i think that you should save the um the goaltending for the playoffs i think when when a playoff goaltender is on his game and and there's low scoring in that i think that's good for the playoffs versus a regular season and um you know hey like <laughs> uh, it just totally changes the the mindset of when you're setting lineups for dfs during the season because you're like oh is my goalie going to get blown up well if the early season results are indication most likely but these guys will find their groove um and i think you'll see that the the goals allowed is is going to taper off a little bit but yeah um you know i i personally say like let the goals fly i think it makes (laughs) i think it it makes for the uh, a really good um regular season action but yeah when it comes playoff time i want to see goaltending duels (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean that that is really a good point. Um that you know the thing about those goaltending battles is there's there's like a tension that builds, right? While you're watching the game, you're like, "Oh, are they is my team going to beat their guy or are we going to be, you know, is our guy going to get beaten?" So uh, that kind of tension is really enjoyable and and adds an element to the game that that I really like. Yeah, well well put it this way, when when Flower was having all those amazing saves um to put the the golden knights in the stanley cup finals like if if he was just allowing like three to four goals per game and they're still winning that would have made um nearly for as much exciting hockey as we saw yeah absolutely and it wasn't me that mentioned uh mark andre fleury so our listeners (laughs) every once in a while somebody else brings up some of these guys well that wraps up this episode of podcast with statsman and aj featuring uh mike gay rotowire's uh nhl managing editor uh please remember to send your comments questions on twitter you can follow me at aj shoals 24 you can follow mike at mg connects and you can follow paul the statsman at statsman 22 one last reminder that we will unfortunately not have a podcast next week but we'll be back in two weeks on october 23rd uh, as always we invite you to listen to podcasts to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey contest so long everybody goodbye